0: And we're in the book of Acts, and um, you know what we're experiencing is is the result of what we sang this morning. It's uh, it's not uh, heartless obedience to a dictator God who frowns upon us all the time, watches us to make sure we never mess up, corrects our mistakes by hurting us. All those views of God that we've had in the past, that obviously that Jerusalem Israel had prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit and the death of Christ and their understanding of what all had been done for them but instead we find the church in a a fresh place where all the things that were prophesied in the Old Testament uh, all the things that even the legalistic system in the Old Testament was leading up to was uh, is happening here and this is great uh, the expanse of difference between what they had experienced and what they are experiencing it's God in them and with them and that they're, they're, everything they're doing is coming from the heart like the prophets spoke about that the time would come when when God would bring Israel to a place of obedience from the heart instead of obedience from uh, a fear of God, an a, a unhealthy fear of God, a terror related to God and what he would do to them if they were disobedient. And so all that's unfolding here in this passage and I, I know that it's... Um, as we preach through the text and as we talk about our response to the text and how we live our lives, I don't want us to miss the emotion behind what's going on here. These, these new believers that have encountered the Holy Spirit and, and are now filled with whose hearts of stone, like Ezekiel said, have been taken out and the heart of flesh has been replaced with that. And, and the Spirit has come in and now they're obeying the laws and decrees of the Spirit as He unfolds. His laws and decrees in a organic, natural, ongoing, moment by moment way in their lives. That there's emotion tied to that. They are excited about what's going on, and they're passionate about this new discovery. And they're of their their passion is is uh, is described in the passages we talked about last week as as bewilderment and wonder and awe. It's an incredible experience that they're having uh, with the Holy Spirit. So. Let's not miss that. I mean, as we sing these songs this morning, I, my mind is drawn back to that. It is that, uh, I mean, let me ask you the question that I was thinking about for myself, question I was asking myself, why am I here? Am I here today to preach a message because it's my role as a pastor of the church? And I got to say yes. Uh, and not that I, I wouldn't be preaching a message. I am here to do that. But is that what my focus is on? And I've got to tell you, my focus was not right where it needed to be this morning. I wasn't feeling that passionate, that, uh, that passion and ex- excitement for the reality that we, that, that of what Christ has done for us and that we get to do life together. And so I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad that there's something in your heart that drew you here today because you know at the gathering place there's no reason for you to be here if your heart's not drawing you here. Uh, we want our motivation to be right, and that matters. Motivation matters to Jesus, and, and it's going to make all the difference to you. If your motivation is wrong, then what your experience here is not going to be what God would, it's not going to move you along in your walk with God. It's not going to further your experience of God. It's just going to further your experience with people and, and this organization. All right, so, man, let's just grab that. I know y'all didn't hear most of that, but, it's, but here we are. Now we're all settled in. We all got our coffee and our little Bible set. But all that stuff, when you go back and listen to this, which I encourage you to do, there's some meaningful stuff that just got said. So, But now we're going to get to the real stuff. So we're in the book of Acts, right? This is what we're, what we're here to, to listen to. It's the word the Lord has for us. We've begun to look more intently now at what happened when these believers we're redeemed following the, the the tremendous sermon that God spoke, the Holy Spirit spoke through Peter at Pentecost. They surrendered themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship which included the breaking of bread and prayers together. And, and what resulted was, as we saw in the last couple of weeks, is this deep sense of awe. That resulted from the movement of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't something that they were seeking or looking for. This is authentic, heartfelt wonder and awe and amazement at what the Holy Spirit was revealing about himself. As a matter of fact, there was this beautiful cycle of obedience uh, to the Holy Spirit and it, that fueled a deeper sense of awe, that fueled a deeper commitment to obedience to the Holy Spirit that fueled a deeper, deeper sense of awe. And there's this cycle, this beautiful cycle that we mentioned last week. And on and on it went for them. And on and on it goes for us, by the way. On and on it goes for us. If we'll commit to and have a deeper commitment to obedience to the Holy Spirit, we're going to also begin to see a deeper sense of awe in ourselves. Now, in a short while, this whole community was not only experiencing the Holy Spirit through obedience, but they were also passionately looking for, seeking for, desiring the will of God, doing what they had to do to find the will of God. And I hope that that's ultimately what will happen for us. I don't know where you are in the midst of that at this point, but if you're not passionately pursuing the will of God because of what he's revealed about himself to you, And I I hope that that begins to be what we experience. I hope that that's one thing we can draw from this experience that this first church is having in the book of Acts. We already saw, for instance, some of the unusual activity that was going on for them that I hope we are able to find expressions. And we talked about some of those expressions of some of these experiences or the unusual activity that the Holy Spirit was leading them to do. Things like sharing all their possessions in common. We read a passage this morning out of 1 John chapter 3. That was in the Moravians, or yeah, chapter 3. That was in the Moravian readings this morning. It talks about how it doesn't make sense from John's perspective that that we wouldn't share what we have with the brethren. But there's the word again, our brothers. That what we're who we're sharing with is brothers. You know, it doesn't make sense within the community of believers that we don't automatically by the spiritual leadership it didn't make sense to John and any of the other disciples that we wouldn't automatically feel an obligation to take care of one another and have things in common for those who are part of this body that God's called us uh, to. That that would be a natural part of it. And he's not talking about he's not talking about humanity being our brothers. We also read John chapter 10 this morning where where it talks about Jesus being our shepherd and that he takes care of his sheep, and we read Psalm 23 and that whole thing, and he takes care of his sheep. And in, in John 10, he talks about how he takes care of his sheep uh, and that there are still some of his sheep that have not yet come in. So they will be his sheep one day, and he cares for them as well. But it's being in the community of God that allows us to be cared for by God. It's, it's, a, it's a, a choice at some point in your life to say, I want to be a part of the community of God. I'm joining into the community of God and there's a, a level of care that happens for us that happened with them, even to the point of selling their possessions and giving to each one as they had need. If there wasn't enough within the common uh, possessions of the people that were in the body, then they would sell their possessions in order to take care of one another. And I hope you're finding expressions of that. I'm trying to flesh that out uh, you know, by sharing what I have with other people and in, in involving people, not, not just of my money, but also of my time and, and my possessions. So they were taking excellent care of one another in this church. And none in the church family were in need. And the, that care was within the family of believers, but last week we also saw that there were some expressions of care for people outside of the community of believers, specifically how uh, that affected and blessed. The world surrounding these believers, as two members of the community, walk out in their normal routine of of religious experience. They're on their way to the temple to pray with a new fervor, as we talked about earlier. As these two members of God's community were out in the surrounding community, they came across a man who was crippled since birth. And they followed the Holy Spirit's prompting to bring healing to this man. And uh, and his response was that he not only received the blessing of healing, but he received another blessing, a blessing of becoming a part of the community. He became a brother, if you will, in Christ whenever he received that healing and made a commitment to immediately to remain with those two brothers. And he went with them into the temple, leaping and singing, and and he clung to them. And we'll come back to that again today. Uh, that he clung to them, that word is interesting, that he, he took hold of them, held on to them. There's, there's that drawing together in a way that causes us to want to be together, to, to do community together, do life together that comes from an authentic experience with, with the Holy Spirit. And so he had that. And we learned from their example some truths that we uh, hopefully have learned, have applied this week as we... Join the Holy Spirit this week in our ministries where we are, where we live. I hope you've seen some application of this, of being around people who are in the community, taking community, uh, taking community out into the world, and seeing some, some drawing of the Holy Spirit for you to be in relationship with people. Last week we said that we need to realize that following the Holy Spirit sometimes is going to break us out of our routine. Even our religious routine, right, as it did for John and Peter. And it's going to break us out of our routine. So don't think that you can continue to live in your routine and, find, and, and have these experiences with the Holy Spirit. Often the Holy Spirit is going to draw you away from your normal routine. You're too busy to be involved with what the Holy Spirit would have you to do. And yet he draws you to that. You, and I gave the illustrations of that for me last week. But we need to do that. We also need to be united in our ceaseless prayer. And careful and paying careful attention to the Holy Spirit's prompting to look the world in the eyes, not to just look over them and not to try to make them uh, our goal is not to just go and, and help people make a quick decision to join an organization, but to look people in the eyes and see and engage them, see who they are, see where they are, listen to them, and be involved with them. We also need to realize that sometimes the leadership of the Holy Spirit is going to be countercultural in the sense that the people. Uh, in this case, the the beggar had expectations for them to give them give him money, and they didn't give him that. They gave him instead what the Holy Spirit was leading them to give, and that the culture has expectations for what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to treat people in the community, and some of those things are bad, and we don't want to be a part of it anyway. They have expect expectation, for instance, for people who are in the church to judge them, and we don't want to meet that expectation, <laughs> right? We want to we want to meet them with acceptance and love, and and we want to we not condemn them, but be a part of what Christ was a part of. He came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And, and so we want to be that. And sometimes it's not only countercultural, but also counter-religious. You know, the things that churches would expect us to be and do in this community, we don't do. When the Holy Spirit leads us at times. And then when people experience the Holy Spirit through us, we need to invite them into community. We need to be sure that we are inviting them into the community of God and offering them the opportunity for salvation, preaching the message uh, to them. And so we, we, take, we pick this story up today and take it a little bit further, uh, looking at this response again, the response of this man to cling to them in verse 11, and we're going to move on from there. But looking at the response and other responses, as this move of the Holy Spirit happens in the life of this one man who is touched by two members of community, who are responding and following the Holy Spirit's leadership to do specific things in his life. So we're, today we're going in, to pick up again in Acts chapter 3, verse 11. And we're going to move all the way through uh, chapter 4, verse 4. A lot of scripture to read today. I'm going to cover it quickly. So uh, if you're ready to hear it and stay with me, say, oh yeah? Okay, you may need to take some notes, write down some thoughts. There's some very challenging things for the body here today. But we're going to see two different ways that people take hold of or lay hold of the community of Christ. That's our goal today. Two different major responses of the way that people will lay hold of the community of Christ. As we walk with God in community, there's two different responses that we see in this story, the way that they lay hold of community. In Acts chapter 3, let's look at that in verses 11 through 26 first. So this is the man that was healed, it's, who is he in this passage. And it says, when he, uh, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together with them into the portico called Solomon's. And we, when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power, our piety, we, made, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. And to this we are witnesses. And in his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong. Whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, and as did your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer and he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. All the prophets have spoken from Samuel, and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets in the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. All right, let's break that down. First of all, he clung to Peter. I want to take that word. The word actually means that he laid hold of Peter and John. He laid hold of them. He grabbed them, clung to them. He would not let them go. Now that's one response to community. I mean, to, to, yeah, to community. To community walking with the Holy Spirit. To community responding to, to for a lost person. to experience of a, a community coming to him and in, engaging him. Looking into his eyes. Giving him what the Holy Spirit leads him to give and inviting him into community. This man made the decision. He desired to be in community with them. He didn't have to, they didn't have to talk him into it. He desired that. He had an intimate personal encounter with Jesus through, uh, in the form of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit healed him and entered into him. And, and immediately the connection was there. And he felt that connection and he wanted to be connected with them. And so that's also our connection with the world. It's our connection with the poor. It's to, it's to give them Jesus. It's to invite them into community where they are a part of a benevolent community. Who, and they take not only part in it by receiving from the community but also giving in community with us. Participating with us. Sharing life with us. People who say they have an encounter with Jesus and don't feel a need to connect to a community, I believe, can't claim that the Holy Spirit has, has come into their lives. This guy knows nothing about the Holy Spirit, about church. He's been rejected even from being a part of the temple because of his crippled state. And so he's having this, he has an encounter with the Holy Spirit immediately. He is a part of community. He clings to them, wants to be with them. I think a lot of our resistance even, I mean, I know you guys, there are times when you don't feel like being in community with believers. I know that. And, and I would just say to you, always check that because that's, that's from the enemy. Even when you're not feeling good, man, being in, in with the body of believers will, will fuel your spirit and draw you into community in such a way that it will fuel your, your passion for the week. It's going to fuel your desire to, to give God to somebody else during the week, to, to look, at, look people in the eyes, to, to do community with or to invite other people into community. I think some of us are still so bound up by the legalism that we think church is something. We, we think, oh, I'm not, I don't have to go to church today because of grace. Okay, man, that's so old school for us. If, if you're still struggling with that, about I have, I have grace so I don't have to go to church. Oh, well, yeah, duh. I mean, if you're still coming to church because you, don't, you have to come, you're missing the point, right? Man, push through whatever it is that would keep you away from community. There's so much that God has for us here. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. Just know that when the Holy Spirit is moving you, he's moving you to be with community, to be in community, to draw from community, and then to share that with people outside. But, but you know, It just baffles me that people say they've had an encounter with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and they don't desire to be in community with other believers. But look at also Satan's work in this passage. Remember we, Remember when we started this study, we started the study, we did one passage, and then God led us into four Sundays on spiritual warfare. There's a reason for that. I mean, we interrupted our study in the book of Acts for a period of preparation for the battles that we would experience personally. I, I shared last week how some of us have gone to sleep and we've quit paying attention to the battles. You know, we, we, we act like that was just for that, those four Sundays, we've forgotten. <laughs> That this battle is for the rest of our lives. If we're going to be in community with with each other and we're going to walk in the Holy Spirit, get ready, man. Battles are coming. If We're going to keep growing in that direction. And we've already seen in this passage, in this community, uh, one example of how the enemy tried to come in and discredit what the Holy Spirit was doing by calling the disciples drunk whenever they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the enemy's attempt to try and take away from that and now we see that as these people are responding to this miracle that God did, this miracle that's undeniable, a man healed from, uh, who has been crippled from birth, he was healed and is joining them in community immediately. As we see people responding to that, Satan brings confusion. There's apparently some who are trying to give credit to John and Peter for this and so what does Peter do? Peter does the same thing he does whenever they, uh, Satan shows up in the first scenario and, and people are saying, well, they must be drunk. Peter stands up. The Holy Spirit fills Peter, the, the, the one who's to be the spokes, spokesperson for the disciples. And look at how interesting it is. It may not be interesting, as interesting to use it as it is to me, but I'm, it blew me away to see the consistency with how the Holy Spirit was dealing with Jews who are questioning the movement of the Holy Spirit. Look at what he does. Peter stands up. Not only does he stand up, but Peter preaches the same message. Look at the same. Y'all will remember some of these elements. First of all, he refutes the lie that Satan gives. Look at it in verses 12 to um, or 13, yeah, no, twelve to 16. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we've made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, okay? This is, that's enough of that one, just to show you what he's doing. So what does he do? Why are you doing this? This is not from us. He's refuting the lie of the enemy that he's putting into the minds of the people. Lift up, this time it's lift up, Peter. You know, last time he said, oh, they're drunk, ignore them. Now he's saying, lift them up. Make Peter. This came from Peter. It came from John. Look how powerful they are. Let's worship them. Let's let's give them attention. Let's draw all the attention to them. And so Peter addresses that and clearly says, it's not from us. Why are you looking at us like this came from us? The people who saw the man and had religious background needed to hear the truth of the gospel also, given in a way that would invite them into community. Remember what Peter did before as he He drew from the past, from their religious past, and said, this is supposed to be happening. This is is actually the fulfillment of your religion. And so he goes back again. Look at it. Verse 13, he says, the God of Abraham and of God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. He's he's drawing on their, their past, their religious heritage, and saying this is supposed to be. In verse 22, he says, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers, and you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. There's historical evidence. This is something the prophets spoke. And then verses 24 and 25, he says, All the prophets have spoken from Samuel and and those who came after him, proclaiming these days. You are the son of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in in your offspring shall the families of the earth be blessed. He's saying... Guys, this is you. This is what was been proclaimed in the past. And, and, and we need to remember that as we continue to speak to people who are religious and are responding to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. They're going to be baffled by some of the things that are happening with us. Already, people don't like the fact that we're called Baptists. I don't get it. I don't know why. We're, we're as Baptists as Baptists can be. We're just not traditional. We don't, we don't look like a Baptist church when you walk in. The experience you have here is different, but we are, theologically, we're, we, we operate by the Baptist faith and message doctrines. We are missional. We are givers. You know, we, all those things that make Baptist, Baptist Baptist, we are. But what people mean by that is there's other expectations. And when they start seeing us walking in the Spirit and being benevolent with one another, and following the Spirit's uh, guidance in our lives, and we're engaging people that nobody else is engaging in, whatever it is. And we're not bound by legalism. They're going to know what's the matter with y'all? And it may be in a bad way in their minds. And we've got got to be able to come and say, this is what the Bible's always been talking about. It's just grace. Take the message of grace. It is our core message. It is our motivation. It's the motivation for us to do the mission that God's called us to do to lead people to know God. We want our motivation for everything we do to be the grace of God, grace and character of God. But the grace of God is so not understood by people. They don't understand the imputed righteousness of Christ. But it's what the Bible talks about from cover to cover. How do we miss it? We miss it because we have eyes of religion and we have religious people that have led us in a different direction. So we have this same need to tell people who see the Spirit moving in us and respond to what the Spirit is doing through us. We need to be able to say "This this is what our religious heritage is. and so. Again, Peter does the same thing that he does in the previous uh, experience when Satan tries to bring lies. And then finally, Peter, of course, again, in a beautiful way, shares the gospel. Clearly, look at it, verses 17 and 21. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. That's good. You were wrong, right? As did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that this Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled repent therefore turn back he's sharing the gospel he's inviting them repent that your sins might be blotted out that a time of refreshing can come for you this refreshing that you're seeing right now in the this body of believers the holy spirit this awe this cycle of awe and obedience and these weird things that you're seeing this refreshing this revival this this awakening you can experience it too and he says uh that this happens through Christ and your sins being blotted out. So he shares the gospel. As people begin to be affected by the Holy Spirit's work in our community, through our community, we need let's let's be prepared to share the truth in a way that's going to draw people out of dead religion and see. It, and let's be sensitive to their needs to hear truth from their perspective, not judgmental, not hope you guys can catch up with us, but getting where, with them where they are and bringing them through the truth to where the whole, they can begin to, to do community with us, walk with us in community. Let's refute the lies of Satan. and let's don't take any credit, by the way, in any way for what the Holy Spirit is doing. Let's help them to see how God uh, is doing, how God is working through us, and let's remi- remind them of where that comes from. You know, it's so important, man. Look, here was a great opportunity for Peter and John to set themselves up for the rest of their lives. They did this powerful thing, and this man who was crippled from birth is now walking and leaping and singing, and everybody knows him. They know of him. They know that this was a work that was done by some, something that was more powerful than they were, and they're trying to worship Peter and John, they could have said, yep, that was us. Yep, we got the power. And any you know, of the rest of y'all that wanted, to come on and give me some of your money and I'll take care of that. Uh, you know, y'all just give us your silver and gold and we can do this for you too. We got the power. You need to worship us. Don't act like that didn't happen. It happened all the time in their day. If anybody had any kind of power uh, or seemed to have any kind of mystical power, man, they were worshiped. Don't act like it doesn't happen today. Don't act like our churches aren't filled with people who are using the, the congregation and their ability to preach or teach or heal or whatever else that God anoints them to do. They take that anointing of God and they use it for their own personal pleasure. And churches uh, and people are giving, giving, giving. And I, I hope that we will stay on focus there. That I hope that you will pray for me, that I will always when the Holy Spirit does something through my life that I will point people back to the Holy Spirit and I won't take advantage of that for myself. But that temptation's out there and we need to be sure that we're leading people to the source of what's going on in our church. We're not a better church. We're not better people. We're not, any, we're not good folks. You know, we're not trying to invite people to come be a part of a bunch of good people. We want to invite people to come and experience and encounter the Holy Spirit with us. We don't want. To, we're not inviting them to anything else. And if we are, we're off base. We're not moving according to what the Spirit would have us to do. Well, look at the response in Acts chapter four, verse four. I love this. As many of those, but many of those, we didn't read this yet, by the way. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about five thousand. Now, you don't want to talk about a progressive movement of God? There was three thousand at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came at first. 3,000. Now there's 5,000 men, not counting women and children, who respond because this man is touched by the Holy Spirit, by the community, uh, by the Holy Spirit through the community of God. Why? Why is it more? Why is God doing more? I think he's doing more because people are seeing this is God moving through men, and I can have that. I can be I can have God moving and working in me. They're, they are blown away by what's going on with the Holy Spirit. And God wants them to know, like Jesus said, I'm going to be with the Father so that the Holy Spirit can come. Because, and you will, uh, the things that I do, you'll do greater things when the Holy Spirit comes. It's important that I go away so that he can come. Because the Holy Spirit can do great things when he fills all the believers in community with one another. And this great move of God is happening. So now because a crippled man laid hold of a community of believers, and because a community laid hold of that crippled man, others were invited in. And that's what happens when people take hold of community. And so it's important we invite people in. This man stood with them as a testimony, and he continues to stand with them in the rest of this passage. He stood with them as a testimony of his connection with them and his connection with the Holy Spirit. These new believers didn't just believe. Listen, they were transformed. All these new believers, the 5,000, by the way, became a part of community. They joined in community. All the things that we're hearing about that happened so far in this community of 3,000, y'all still with me? Say, oh, yeah. All right, this is such a cool thing. The same thing is happening with these 5,000. They didn't just pray a prayer and get baptized and, you know, and then go on about to do their business. They came and joined the community. How do we know that? Well, Later on in chapter 4, let's look at this real quick, verse 32. We're going to come back to this probably next week. But in verse 32, look at what it says. Now the full number, what does full number mean? All of them. The full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of his things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Doesn't that sound like the, verse, the passage we've already talked about, the people, the 3,000 and the 120 disciples? Listen, this is a different experience than what we're inviting people to in our churches today. We are inviting people to come join an organization, to be a part if you want to, kind of come hang out with us if you desire. That's not what, I mean, that's what churches are doing. Hopefully that's not what we're going to do. It's definitely not what we're going to do if we do what God's telling us to do. We are inviting people into the community of God. We are inviting people into a community where we, we love one another, we do life with one another, we struggle with each other, we, we participate in life with each other whether we feel like it or not. Our lives are no longer our own. That's important because for us, we make our decisions. Most of us, every day, day-to-day, moment-by-moment decisions are based on what we want, it's things for us. We spend our money on us, we spend our time on us, we spend our efforts on us. That is not what God's calling us to. That's not from the Holy Spirit. Look at what happens. This beautiful community is walking purely in the Holy Spirit. They don't know how to do what they're supposed to do. Nobody told them that it's okay for you to just accept Jesus and go on your merry way and do what you want. They, they are following the Holy Spirit. And so we need to learn from them be a part of that. This whole community joins in. Now, there was another group that laid hold of the communities uh, also. And they laid hold of the community as a result of this man's healing and his response. And they laid hold of community because this man laid hold of the community. Look at it in, in, in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Y'all stay with me a few more minutes. We're going to knock this thing out. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple... And the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They arrested them, took hold, same word. Now, I just think that's not by coincidence. They took hold of them. (laughs) They laid hold of this community, of these two members of the community. They laid hold of them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about five thousand. So there's where the but came from, in verse four earlier. They responded to the gospel, even though the ones who shared the gospel were in prison. Now, so let's look at this response, because here's another. Look, get ready for another response, right? It's not just that people are going to respond to us and and join our community. There's going to be others that are going to take take, uh, issue with us. They're going to lay hold of us, but they're going to lay hold of us in a whole different way, right? They also grabbed these men. They took hold of them, and it says they did it because they were greatly annoyed. They were angry and provoked to action by their anger instead of by their love and their connection. The same truth that the the crippled man and all these other people had experienced, the same truth that they had experienced, these Pharisees and religious leaders experienced. The same truth. The truth of what the Holy Spirit was doing in this man's life. They all experienced the same thing, but their response was different. These guys were greatly annoyed. And there's going to be people If we continue to walk, if we even begin, let me just say, because I'm not sure where we are in relation to walking in koinonia with each other and then with the Holy Spirit. But if we start fleshing out these things and these expressions as God gives it to us to express, there are people, uh, religious people all around us that are going to be greatly annoyed, greatly annoyed. There are already some, but they're not going to like the fact that we're walking in the Holy Spirit. They don't even like to talk about the Holy Spirit. Our own brothers and sisters in churches that we are connected with don't like that we're walking in, that we talk about hearing from the Holy Spirit and walking in the Holy Spirit, walking in His moment-by-moment guidance in our lives. They don't like it. They want to shut it up, and, and they don't like our emotive language when we start talking about how we love God, how we, we, we really feel love for God and that it's not something we're making up, you know, or, or that we are... Uh, that his love is reckless, as Justin Bieber saying. It blows my mind how that gives people who are Christians issues. Look, use whatever language you want to describe the love of God. It's beautiful. It's reckless. It's right. It's lavished upon us. It's so much bigger and un, under, indescribable. You, you, we think we got all the words and ways of describing that. But look, when you got a passion for God, all that stuff means something to you. When you've got a passion for uh, legalistic rules and regulations, and your passion is for doctrines instead of for the Lord, and the doctrine is a way of expressing your passion, when your passion is for those things, you have problems with words all the time. I probably went somewhere I shouldn't have gone this morning, but anyway, I'm just going to say, that bothers me. We... Man, we love the Lord. We love Him for real. It's not pretend. And when we talk about our love for the Lord, we don't, it's not a cliche to us. Our songs are becoming more real to us on Sunday mornings when we share those things. But that greatly annoys people. And so what did they do? These guys arrested them. They threw them in jail and said, we'll shut them up. We'll get them out of society and we'll make them outcasts. And we might not be arrested, but people in this town. Who are, who are set on their religious views? When the Holy Spirit begins to take hold of us and move us in directions, and people out of this community begin to take hold of us, the church is going to take hold of us. Also, religious folk will take hold of us, and they're going to try to shut us up, and they will discredit us, and they will talk bad about us, and they will will call us names. As you know, whatever it takes to shut us up, they will do it. So you see, two ways that people taking taking hold of of Community. Either they join the community or they reject us and try to shut us up. But listen, none of their actions were outside the will of God. None of what these, even the arresting of Peter and John was not outside of the will of God. The Holy Spirit was moving in their arrest. You might say, well, how do you know that? Well, first of all, because 5,000 people prayed to receive Christ while they were in prison. The Holy Spirit was still moving. It didn't matter if Peter and John were around. Matter of fact, I believe the Holy Spirit was trying to show them it's not Peter and John. Okay, they said it wasn't, but I'm confirming that. Look at all the lives that are being changed. Look at the experience that y'all are having right now. Where's Peter and John? They're in prison. Also, it opened up a door for Peter and John to stand before religious rulers and leaders. Look at it in verse 5. God opens a door for them to share the gospel with the religious rulers. And in a way that the religious rulers can't say anything about it. Look at it. This is beautiful. Verses 5 to 12. On the, on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John, the, John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Was rejected by you. Now he's drawing on their knowledge, by the way, of the psalm that they sing in their own churches. (laughs) The stone that was rejected became the cornerstone. It's a psalm that they were familiar with. He said, uh, Rejected by you, the builders, he names them as the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven. Given to men by which we must be saved. In case you're wondering, guys, let me just finish this up. Nobody's going to be saved by any other name than Jesus. So deal with it. Man, that's a powerful message. He got to speak. They got to hear it. Not only that. Listen, their initial response to this, look at it. In verse 13, their initial response to this is the same as everybody else's response so far in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit takes hold of somebody. Look at it. Verse 13. That when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. There's the word. Bewildered. Astonished. They had wonder. Awe. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, man. Look, I got so excited about that this week. They were not only astonished, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus. If people see us connected with Jesus, let them call us what they will. Y'all with me on that? Look, if they see us connected with Jesus, call us what you will. I don't care that you call me a fanatic. I don't care that that you disagree with my theology or my doctrine. All I care is that you connect me with Jesus. If you do that, that's enough for the gathering place. Man, that excites me for us to be able to just stay focused on what we're supposed to be focused on. We are a people that are leading people to know God, not to know about God, not to gain more knowledge, but to gain an experience of God in a way that makes them understand that He's real and personal. They had been with Jesus. I love that. But then also, not only was their initial response the same as everybody else's to the Holy Spirit, they couldn't say anything legitimate in opposition because of what the Holy Spirit did. Look at the next verses, verses 14 to 18. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. You can't deny the work of the Holy Spirit. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that, a notable sign has been performed, uh, is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We can't deny that. But in order that it may, may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. And so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So they gathered them together and they saying, <laughs> you know, we see the boldness. We see they've been with Jesus. They are exactly who he, he was. We, but everybody in the whole town now is on their side. It's not like it was with Jesus when all the Jews turned against him. And he stood alone and hung alone, even his own disciples did. These guys got people behind them. These events are drawing people in to community with them. They got a whole army of people that believe the way they believe. What are we going to do with them? They couldn't say anything in opposition to the legitimate action of the Holy Spirit. Look, if it's something we build, people can oppose us. And if we keep trying to build our church based on what we can do, People will oppose us, and they will be legitimized in their opposition. But if we are working and moving with the Holy Spirit, the things that the Holy Spirit does, people cannot be in opposition to. They can't find anything to oppose. They can't deny the truth of what the Holy Spirit does. And so we need to stay focused on that. And God gives us opportunities, and he will give us opportunities to speak to the religious elite in our town. And when he does, we need to be firm on what we believe and where we stand And not apologize, but let them see the truth of it in the way we love them rather than condemn them in the way that we stand with the Holy Spirit. And then also, they were able to reveal, uh, uh, Peter and John were able to reveal where their authority lies. And it was in a different place than the authority of the scribes and Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rulers, religious rulers. Look at it in verses 19 to 22, and we're done. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the old man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than four years old. Everybody in town knew him. 40 years this guy had been crippled since birth. Everybody in town knows him. You can't deny what just happened. And they have nothing they can do to Peter and John. The community will continue to grow as a result of what the Holy Spirit did. They can't stop it. And Peter and John's quick to say, whether we would obey you or God is the question. Are you, are, you saying, are you going to be our authority? Religious rulers and leaders, priests and Sadducees and rulers of the synagogue, are you going to be our authority or is the Holy Spirit going to be our authority? And they are not the same because the Holy Spirit is telling us to speak. And we can't help but speak because he's filled us up with words that have to come out of our mouths. He, he's filled us up with joy that, comes, that, that pours out of our hearts with expression that has to come out to the people that we see around us who are desperately in need for what we have. We are inviting people into community with us and we're passionate about it. We can't stop it because the Holy Spirit is now our authority. And we can continue to measure ourselves, church, by what other churches are doing. We can measure ourselves by our denomination and what the majority of the people in our denomination are doing. We can even move outside of what's the the traditional Bible Belt way of doing traditional church, and we can get to some of the more trendy versions of what's going on around the United States in the way of millennial church. And we can use that as our pattern, or we can just follow the Holy Spirit. I I suggest that we keep doing what we're doing. (laughs) Y'all with me? Let's just follow the Holy Spirit. Let's just respond to the Holy Spirit, and when people come to lay hold of us, just recognize, they will lay hold of us in one of two ways. They're going to lay hold of us to be a part of us, clinging to us, hanging out with us, joining our life groups, coming with us to worship, finding that same passion happening in their own hearts, learning how to walk in the Holy Spirit, to abide in Christ. Or they're going to lay hold of us by trying to shut us up, put us, put us down, speak poorly of us, lie about us, be, and try to convince us that they are the boss of us. And we're going to say no. As a church, we're going to continue to walk in the Spirit. As churches, gathering place churches, we're going to continue to walk in the Holy Spirit. He is our authority. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful picture of what you can do and want to do in the lives of believers who are walking in community with one another. God, I, I, I just uh, feel with excitement and passion Father, for what you've shown me for this body. And, and, it's, and Lord, please help every person to receive these words with passion. God, help us to apply those things. There are people all around us in this community who need a touch from you. And the result's going to be that our, our community will continue to, to grow because it's going to be a touch from you, not a touch from us. And Father, they, they will ultimately be clinging to us and, and you're going to continue to grow this community as you will with believers that are here for the right reasons. Father, because we are passionately in love with you. Because we're in awe of what you're doing in our lives and how personal you are and how much you love us. and Father, just we want to give that to everybody in this community. So God, give us the opportunities this week. To reveal these things. And God when people will oppose us. And they're going to. They already are. When people oppose us because of where we stand. I pray that we will rest in our authority. The Holy Spirit living in us. Giving us wisdom and giving us guidance. in the moment by moment decisions we make throughout the day. Based on the authority of the, the written word. God help us to walk in that. And, and then not worry about it. We can't help but do it, God, when you begin to fill us. And so put our hearts there. Fill us with passion to do your will, to walk in your way. Make our worship true as we close today, God. Let this last moment of worship be from our hearts in Jesus' name.